the more authentic I can be about my journey, the more that people can begin their foundation and feel like they are capable of being the person that they want to be in this life. This is Fat Chats with the Lads. With your boys Baz, Pricey and Liam. Let's go. I'm just trying to do something fun every day. Never be afraid to go out and see the world. If you're not into NFTs, you miss now. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Welcome back, guys. Today on the potty, we have our first ever female guest, the queen of TikTok, artist, painter, writer, photographer, designer, and entrepreneur, along with many more titles. With an audience of more than half a million online and multiple successful businesses, she knows how to connect and relate to people in ways that most others don't. We're lucky enough to be sitting down in the studio with an incredible woman and friend, Amy Rose Clunis Ross. Welcome. You, welcome. Hi. How are you going, all right? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. You kind of grew up in Perth, uh, but you've got ties to Cocos Islands. Can you run us through a little bit about your upbringing and how you kind of have your ties with Cocos and that? Yeah, so I'm really lucky to have family over there. Like it's it's a huge part of my heritage. And um, yeah, so kind of grew up in Scarborough, but also, you know, went was lucky enough to go back every few years and spend some time there. So yeah, it was such an amazing place to grow up. Yeah. Do you think you relate to the culture of Cocos a little bit, especially because your family's tied there so, so much? Yeah, it's a huge part of like who I am as a person. I think, you know, um, the environment there is quite laid back, but also like it, I don't know, it's something that you'd never really be able to learn anywhere else. It's got its own entity. I would almost say that Cocos kind of has its own personality. Yeah, right. It, it definitely always has a lesson waiting for you when you go there, for sure. Explain yep. how's your family involved in Cocos? So we settled there like four or five generations ago. Wow. So wow. Um, yeah, so they went over there. It was actually given to them by the Queen and like my great, 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 great grandfather. Whoa, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, so we've got like a full amazing, like, well, we don't own it anymore, but like we had a full settlement there and a house and everything. And then they brought over Malays and um, they started a coconut plantation. And yeah, so it was like a huge cultural thing there for, you know, years and years and years up until about like 50, well, just under 50 years ago. Yeah, wow. Wow. Yeah, so huge ties to um, yep. Cocos for sure. Yeah, and you definitely resemble that kind of life now in terms of even living on the mainland. You kind of represent Cocos a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I think definitely childhood and then later on in life as well. Like adulthood, I've become more and more passionate about that kind of lifestyle and, you know, that heritage behind me, definitely, yep. for sure. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Perth and your kind of mainland, living with your mom. Yeah, so I grew up mostly with mum. Like I had quite a, you know, hard childhood with my father. But with mum, she was an entrepreneur and she actually owned a shipping company. They did really, really well from quite a young age. And unfortunately, she lost all of that when I was about five. And yeah, she went through a really rough time. But then I kind of ended up finding a base in Scarborough and going to high school. And it was really good, but I definitely felt occasionally a little bit like it wasn't 100% my place, especially like, you know, in school, I I excelled in things like maths and science and stuff like that, but I was never really inspired by it. Like I always kind of felt a little bit like it wasn't interesting enough for me. Like I could be good at it, but it didn't feel like me, if that makes sense. So yeah, so I was really like, I really enjoyed school to an extent. I just think even the peers and the people there, it wasn't that, you know, they weren't great people they just weren't really ever my people yeah so what sort of things did you lean towards in school 
when you were going through all that academic stage? It's interesting. I kind of did everything at first and then it kind of, you know, like, I don't know if it was the same when you guys were at school, but like when you get to year 11 and 12, you kind of choose your main course subjects. Yeah. 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 So I was doing like, I don't know if it's ATAR or TE or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, like was going into year 11, choosing all of my classes and just in that year, they'd only just brought out the arts, like dance, art, like drama, all that sort of stuff is something that was counted towards ATAR. And I remember at the time I was really, really good at like science and maths and everything like that. And my mom was really pushing me towards those subjects. She's like, I want you to be a doctor or a lawyer. Like, you know, yeah. you could do all these things with your life. Yeah. Rah, rah. But art was something that always called to me and I loved it. It just really brought it out of me. So so I did art and I did dance and I did drama and then I did maths and English. But yeah, I, I really stuck to my guns. Um, yeah. And yeah, I got through high school like that. Definitely um, glad that I did like that for sure. So after you finished school, you did a bit of traveling. Tell us about how you decided where you wanted to go and what you kind of gained from that experience. Yeah. So once I finished school, I think like I, I kind of knew I wanted to go to uni, but like there was always something pulling me in different directions and I really wanted to travel. So literally five days after I turned 18, I went to Europe for three months oh. and didn't have like a whole heap of money, kind of just went. I, in hindsight, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I kind of just yeeted there and was like hoping for the best and <laughs> was eating a lot of canned beans and like, you yeah. know, still wanted to stay in the really nice Airbnbs and just eat nothing. So it was like a whole thing. Yeah. Did you go by yourself? I went with my partner at the time and yeah, we did that for months and months and it was really, really fun. And then I kind of came back and, you know, mom was kind of like, oh, okay, it's uni time. And so I ended up going to uni and I started at Curtin and I did like, I started social work and it was interesting with social work. Like I really enjoyed it, but they actually, they did like a, a test, a personality test. And at the end of the first semester, one of the tutors sat me down and she was like, look, I'm not going to lie, like you might be a little bit too empathetic for this. They say in social work, you either like are too empathetic, it ends up ruining you because you have to do some, make some really tough calls mm, yeah. or you end up completely becoming numb to it and kind of losing who you are in that sense. Mm. So I kind of decided, okay, this isn't really for me. It's probably a little bit too close to home. So then I, I ended up going to UWA and studying commerce and psychology as a double, which was really, it was really cool. But then I think the thing is I kind of wanted to choose business because I always knew that I wanted to try something for myself I didn't know what but I kind of you know just went okay this is something that's going to help me on later on in life no matter what and then psychology I think I just really wanted to learn more about myself and as I said like having a bit of a complicated childhood and I really wanted to be able to help people around me but also help myself grow as a person you know so obviously these were some major shifts in your life you know you came out of school you went traveling for a year how did you feel reluctantly going into uni I think for me, it felt kind of like there was always a voice in the back of my head that said, that's not for you. But then I think I also wanted to prove to my family, to myself, that I could do anything that I wanted to do. That's kind of always been my attitude, I think, is especially in society, there's a huge push to go to uni. And if you don't go to uni, you're essentially like lower class, you know, you're not as smart, you're not as capable. And I think there's like a huge social stigma and pull towards that. You know, at the time, having a different mindset and always feeling like I was left out, not left out, but like different than the people I went to school with, I kind of wanted to prove that I was like good enough, you know, smart enough or in the same sort of realm as them. And then once I finished uni, I think I straight away realized like, look, I've proved myself, but I'm going to prove that I can do that and then I don't need to use it to be successful. So I think that was a huge like contrast between, you know, being different to everyone, but also 
being able to be in their same circle. You know, I, I think I've always been the kind of person that has grown up quite quickly, quite young. Like a lot of my friends were way behind me. They only kind of went traveling like 21, 22. They only just started to have, you know, they only just moved out. They only just kind of got to that point. Whereas I'd already moved out at 19, you know, I was fully independent financially. I felt like I was always five years ahead of everyone yep. in terms of the emotional growth when it came to that sort of thing. Yep. So you're saying that you moved out pretty young. What did that kind of period of time look like for you? As I said, there was a lot of pressure from mum to be a certain kind of person. And I think like, you know, she's my biggest muse in life for sure in terms of like how far I pushed in business later on in life. But at the time, I think I really wanted to find my own identity as a person, regardless of who I was living with, if that makes sense. So I moved out at 19 with a bunch of friends and like was working full time at a cafe, literally like four to five days a week and full time at uni. So I was going pretty hard, but also feeling pretty lost at the time. So maybe tell us a bit more about the people you surrounded yourself with and how that your environment impacted you at that point. I got into a relationship at about like 19, 20 with, with a guy who the relationship was kind of really formulated around party life and around like drinking and doing all these sorts of things. It was really fun, but like I think didn't really mix well with the life transition I was going through, if that mm, makes sense. Like yeah. I was trying to find myself and trying to find this new identity of myself. And I was really passionate about like growing myself as a person, but it's like trying to fit yourself into a shoe that's really pretty, but just doesn't fit your feet. I really wanted to be this like party girl, this like beautiful, stunning, really thin, like wore these cool party clothes. But I think like for me, it didn't really work because like I wasn't 100% comfortable in who I was yet. And in the relationship I was in, there was nothing wrong with like the guy as a person. I think it's just his lifestyle. Like it just, it turned us both into really toxic people and we were very codependent. And I feel like I just became a person that I wasn't really happy as anymore so do you feel like uh transitioning out of that period you kind of were at a point where you're kind of low like hitting rock bottom and you wanted to look forward from that i think like it was a huge driving force for me to change you know when you hit rock bottom and you can almost see yourself in a mirror you can see where you're meant to be Mm. you can see where you are and you just don't know how to get to that point yeah but like you just know you need to make huge changes i think coming out of that i literally went okay it's time for you to pick up drop everything and get out of here. So I literally quit my job. I deferred uni. I moved out and I moved back to Cocos. And I was still in that toxic mind mind space. Alcohol was my crux. If I drink, like I'll be so happy and like I can have fun. I can party. And everyone would see me as this really confident, like really fun person. But inside I was broken. So you moved back to Cocos. What happened next? Moved back to Cocos. And I think it was a really interesting time because kind of went there with this mindset of like I'm really just going to do my own thing so was there a lot of reflecting during that period yeah so I think like on Cocos it really gave me a lot of time to reflect on who I was as a person who I wanted to be coming back to Perth I think it kind of all hit me I was stronger and weaker as a person but I had a new foundation the best thing about that was like I was so happy as a person in terms of the ability to do whatever I needed to do to get myself to where I needed to be I started traveling more. I you know, got new friends. I stopped going out. That yeah. was a huge thing. Like I stopped going out. And then eventually I like met my partner. You know, we were kind of hanging out as friends for a while. But he kind of said something that really like changed my life and that he was, he was kind of like, you need to be happy alone. 
Because like at the time, you know, you know when like you're not really 100% happy being alone because you kind of have to face the reality of what your life is. Yeah. So you spend literally from nine until nine just seeing people or doing something. And I think like for me, it was like filling every second of every day. And I was helping people, you know, people who are sad, people who are unhappy because it took me away from the problems that I needed to face and faced me on their problems, but it made me feel good as a person. So I was constantly seeing people helping people out. And then as soon as they felt happy as people, they didn't see me anymore. They didn't need me anymore. So mm. then I, I kind of like lost them as friends, but that, that was okay. I found new friends. So then I was just constantly fixing people and fixing people and fixing people until yeah. it got to a point where, you know, my partner, he kind of said to me, he's like, I've noticed something. And I was like, what? And he's like, you never sit down with yourself. Like you never do anything for you. You need to love yourself. Yeah. And he's, and he kind of, he was, he was straight with me. He's like, I can't love you until you love yourself. Like he, he was straight with me and that was hard. That was really hard to hear. I was kind of like, what do you mean? Like I, I help all these people. Like I'm, you know, I'm friends with all these people. And he's like, yeah, yeah. But like, they're not really friends with you. Like you're just like a therapist. Like, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. they need you short term. Mm -hmm. And he really kind of like pushed me to work on myself as a person. I moved out for the last time, moved back to Cocos for six months. That was the beginning of me really growing as a person. Psychology and my degree really helped me to pick apart what toxic behavior I was doing and go, okay, I don't want to be that kind of person. I'm just so glad that I went to uni for that because it's helped so many people around me. And I always want it to. Like I, the cycle, I feel like mental health is the most important thing you can have in your life. Like it is the foundation. And I think, you know, having my own business, starting something for myself not being dependent on the man or the nine to five was really important. And I knew that like I needed money to, to obviously live while I did that. So I started like working at a cafe. What was your kind of plan from there? You know, obviously you're working at this cafe, but did you have any specific goals that you were trying to work from that you developed over in Cocos? So I had a lot of skills in terms of like art um, in terms of aesthetics. Like, you know, I've always been really passionate about art as a, something to like help me get something off my chest so that was like the start of something and like meanwhile like developing these little skills to do with photography and to do with editing and stuff like that like my mental health was getting really good I was exercising I was in a really good environment like we had this you know this we got this apartment in Perth when we moved back from Cocos I just had this really good feeling in my chest I was like this is the start of something Just one day like you know sat mom down I was like mom I kind of want to be a photographer and she was like really <laughs> really and I was like no like I'm really passionate like I really think I can do this and she was like okay 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 this was the first time that she believed in something that I wanted to do yeah and she went all in and then I started like booking you know free shoots and stuff like that again because like I was friends with like a whole bunch of photographers like all these and they're all guys like they're all guys they're all great and you know Jai's amazing at what he does as well but then that was kind of a driving factor for me because I was kind of like oh there's all these people out there that are so good at it. I'm going to be better. Yeah. yeah. But I wanted to do it really subtly. Like I wanted it to, to do it well, like under the radar where like no one really knew what I was doing. And then suddenly, bam. Boom. <laughs> there it is. She's really good at this. So did this drive come from more of a place to please others or was it to please yourself? No. So this is probably the first time I think I was doing it to prove to myself that I could, but also because it made me feel really good as a person. So I think picking up a camera was like a huge thing towards like, it just made me feel really good. Like it, it, it was, it was a way to express myself and to see things in a way that other people didn't see them. And I always knew that I had an eye for things in a different way. And so I think it just made me feel really good to be able to express that. 
and it wasn't just photos that you were doing. You were writing at the time. You were mm. painting, drawing. Yeah. Started making little videos on these social media platforms. What Run us through what was going through your head at that point. So TikTok, when I started TikTok, it's actually kind of funny because I remember Jai like bringing it up and be like, oh, have you heard of TikTok? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, kind of. And he'd be like, oh, it's just a kid's app. But then Jai was like, I have a good feeling this is going to be big. And I was like, I'm going to be the first person out of all of us to get on it. So I did. I made a video. And then Jai like was like, you know what? I'm going to do better than you. <laughs> so then it kind of became really competitive. I think I had a lot of ego attached to this because like I said, like healthy um, competitiveness between me and my partner it's always been really good but I think I really wanted to have something you know I wanted to get ahead I wanted to be ahead of of everyone it was really difficult for me because Jai did really well really quickly and sometimes those videos that would do really well because he was a videographer and he knew exactly what he was doing he we do a we'd kind of collab on something and then he'd make a video out of a concept that I'd come up with and it would get millions. And mm. then it would probably get like 10K for me. I used to get so upset about it. I'd be like, uh, oh my yeah. God, he's done so well and it's a video of me and I'd get so upset. And in hindsight, like I'm definitely not like that now, but back yeah. then it was a whole ego thing. Yeah. Because mm. like I just, I wanted to be as good as him. I wanted to be as good as everyone else and then I wanted to level up from there. But I didn't want to do it how everyone else was doing it. So I think it kind of got to a stage where I think I think Jai hit like 150K and I was at 30 and I, I was like, nah, I'm making a plan and I'm going to beat everyone. <laughs> so like, you did. yeah, I did. But like I, I sat down and I, I made like a full plan about my videos, what I was going to do. I went on trending. I went, I, I researched everything. But then it kind of got to a point where it wasn't about beating anyone anymore. It it was about connecting with people. And like, I got this community that was just so amazing. Like I've, I've never really had hate ever. Yeah. Like that's unheard of on yeah, TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't. Yeah. 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 It, <laughs> definitely. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I never, ever get hate. And I think it's because I didn't make it about me. It's about making them recognize something in themselves. Mm. And it's about them feeling related to in a way that words can't make you know, words can't describe. describe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so hard. It's almost like giving people nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, isn't absolutely. It, isn't it crazy how it's been able to bring all your passions and talents together, your empathy, you know, your aesthetic eye, and then your video creating skills and your words Literally. all into this one platform. Everything. That was something you just ran away with. Exactly. And it went from me just trying to like, you know, prove that I'm good enough to it's literally been my whole journey. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's gone from me being like quite a broken person to being this, I'm the strongest person that I know. Yeah. And TikTok's been a part of that journey completely. 100%. But that's what I mean. I think people mock TikTok because people don't like change. You learn about that in psychology. Mm -hmm. They don't like the unknown. Mm. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. And I think if you can lean into the uncomfortable you have a you have an edge. You are already ahead of the game. And I think every time something new comes out, I mean, even with the whole metaverse, I mean, to be fair, that's scary as hell. Yeah. Like who knows? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who bloody knows? I mean, you got you gotta go in. That's another thing with TikTok. I think I went into it knowing not to let it get to my head. Yeah. And that's another thing with social media and influencing, because obviously like I grew on Instagram a few years ago. That was complete ego at the time, you know, mm. I, you know, I was fresh off, you know, losing all this weight image was huge for me and my ego was huge. The more likes I got, the better I felt. And it got to a point where I realized this isn't fun. I, yeah. I really wanted to lean into just being completely authentic 
and using social media not for my ego but to help other people but also to help me yep. and that's changed my life as well it looks like the perfect life on tiktok yeah. a lot of our videos and that's all the comments mm. this is the dream life this is the perfect life and to me looking at that it's almost frustrating for me in a way looking at that and saying and that's why i think it is important to be so authentic with mm. it and i think a lot of people need to look Look at that, yeah, especially on social I media. See, I mean, you reply to a lot of the comments like, hey, like, oh, yeah. it looks like a, but this is just a highlight reel. You know, yeah, it's, and it's literally a highlight reel. I've recently kind of spoken to someone about this from the way that I grew up and obviously I haven't really touched on that in depth. I was at times in a really, really unsafe environment. I was saying the other day that I'm in the best place I've ever been, you know, environment, friends, everything. Like I, this to me is the best life you could ever have. And so when people kind of comment on t my TikTok and they say, oh my God, I want that kind of life. Like I don't really picture it as like beach and, you know, fun and travel. I picture it, my life is amazing because I'm emotionally so stable and so happy and healthy. And I, I know what's important in my life. And I want to be able to help people get to that stage before they look at what external looks like. And mm -hmm. I think that's a huge message for me in the future going forward with business, with everything is like, I really want to share with people what it feels like to be in self-love, to, to put yourself first in a healthy way, to really know what's important in your life. It's interesting because all of the visual stuff that we put out, it's nothing, regardless of if people had that, they wouldn't be any different inside. A hundred percent. It's funny how people kind of always chase that but they're not actually looking at themselves and figuring out what they need to do to do the inner work. That's why I think authenticity on social media is huge because I think a lot of people pretend like they never had a struggle or they never had a bad day because it's hard to admit to yourself and then to other people that you've, you know, admitting to everyone, you know, on a podcast that I was, I went through a really hard few years yeah. where I wasn't hundred percent the person I wanted to mm. be. That's hard. Yeah. It's hard because I'd love to just be like, no, I can't. I had the easiest life and it just came to me and I breezed through it. <laughs> but like being authentic makes other people realize that you don't have to be perfect to have a happy, healthy life. And that's what social media is kind of taken out of it. You know, they think, oh, all these girls who are really thin um, and, you know, who can eat whatever they want. And it looks like they just, you know, they you know, go for a walk for five minutes in the morning and it makes you depressed. Like it, yeah. it makes people really hate themselves. Yeah. And I, I just, I think that the more authentic I can be about my journey, the more that people can begin their foundation and feel like they are capable of being the person that they want to be in this life. Because anyone can be. You had all this going on in your head for for quite a while and you were working at the cafe and all these creative pursuits you were pursuing. How did you lean into becoming your own boss and that transition out of working at the cafe to taking the creative space full time? Money comes to me, success comes to me if I want it. Like anything can come to me if I want it. I just need to feel like I deserve it. So after I worked on my emotional foundation, I got to a stage where I went, okay, I'm ready to, to explore business, Amy, like level up. I've gone to like emotionally level stable up. and like really yeah. strong and, you know, yeah. happy Amy. Now I'm yeah. going to go to business, Amy. Let's go. <laughs> I've, gone through, I've gone through TikTok and social media, Amy, business, Amy. Yeah. So at first I actually wanted to start a skin, skincare brand. And it was going to be like, um, I like did six months of research. I like, you know, I went hard. I like did face masks. I like went all organic, spent so much money, like a lot of money on it. And then I kind of got to a stage where like, you know, a few people would be like, so when are you going to get it? When are you actually going to do it? 
And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, soon, 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 yeah, soon, soon. Yeah. But I'm, it's not perfect yet. It's not there. It's mm. not where it needs to be. And then I think I listened to a few different podcasts. I have no idea which ones that they were, but it was like, you know, the, the secret to success is starting. Maybe you have to start. Yeah. And I realized, like I, I messaged mom and I was kind of like, hey, I think I want to start jewelry. And everyone was like, and I'm talking, everyone was like, it's a really saturated market, hard to be successful in that. Like there's so many bloody, you know, yeah. girl, basic girls yeah, <laughs> doing yeah. jewelry. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to do it. Two weeks later, I did it. Wow. Two weeks. Yeah, that's gnarly. Started yeah. with $100. That's gross. Yeah. And within a year at like six figures. So it's... Oh, <laughs> well, reel it back, reel it back. Let's, let's talk about that kind of growth because that's, that's insane. So you transitioned to this Julie brand uh, on a quick notice and then you just started. Talk us through how you kind of came up with the brand idea and, and projected that into, this, into the last couple of years. So it's kind of like, it was a bit of a blur because it was so quick. But like, I think because I'd had some practice with the skincare about like, you know, visualizing how to do it. And I was doing research on how to start, start a business and rah, rah, rah. And like, you know, I, I just got good at graphics design within a few days. Like yep. I can graphics design. People take years to do this. Like mm. my, my mom's also a graphics designer that helped. I've yeah. been watching her. Yeah. Um, and so I just made a logo, made the name. Like I sat down. Have you heard of like Merchants of the Sun and then there's Temple of the yeah, Sun? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I kind of liked the of the something. And obviously, Cocos, you know, it, it's all about the ocean and it's, you know, this, it's, it's an island. So I, I was like, I wanted to do something close to Cocos, something about the sea, something to do with my family, because, you know, obviously I'm really close with that. So I went, I was kind of like, I was talking to Giant, I was like, what should it be? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know, I don't know. So we were just like, and then he was like, what about Virtue of the Sea? And I was like, yeah, done. <laughs> and that was it. That was yeah. the name. It literally yeah. took us like an hour to figure it out. Oh, and like, awesome. yeah, I have to give Jai credit um, for helping me with the name because I, I had it down packed, but he kind of was like, Virtue? And yeah, I was like, yeah, done, top. done, yeah. done. So literally like an, an hour later, I'd drawn it all up. Yeah. And so like, I think for me, I handmade everything to start off with and like, you know, started with not much money and literally selling things for like 20 bucks. It was like nothing. But it was it was the start. And, and Jai, I remember Jai saying to me, he was kind of like, man, this, this podcast makes Jai sound so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember him saying to me, like, you know, if you're not embarrassed about the first thing you release, then it's not really going to be a successful business. Like, you have to be embarrassed about yeah, the yeah. first, you vulnerable. know, you yeah. have to be vulnerable. You have to look at every time I, I launch something, I get bored of it so quick. And I'm like, nah, something else, something else, something else. So I just went really hard. Like, I got everything together. And, and it's honestly one foot in front of the other. Like, I think for me... I didn't, I was still at the cafe, so I wasn't reliant on anything financially. I, I was really lucky at the cafe because I had a really respectful position. They listened to me. I was he, like, not head barista, but like what well, I was towards the end, but like I was high up in that kind of place. I had a community around me of people who really supported me and were egging me on. But I think mostly I had no emotional tie to this. Like I was kind of like, let's just give it a red hot crack, go hard, hundred bucks. What, what do I have to lose? Nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing, nothing. Yeah. But then I kind of got to a point where like, you know, I'd launched it. It was doing pretty well. And then I, I'm, I have this personality where I like getting good at things and then I get bored of it. Yeah. I've, I've tried so many things in my life because I just like pushing myself. As soon as I'm like, you know, even slightly good, I'm like, oh, whatever, next thing. Done. Um, <laughs> so I kind of got, I hit a wall because, you know, it was doing okay, but you know, it, I, I launched it, you know, I was like, yes, like. How many people do this? Like, you know, people, but not that many people. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, and, uh, I think I remember like someone being like, so what's next? And me being like, what do you mean? <laughs> 
I've launched it. Yay. <laughs> It, it gets kind of addictive because like I, I finally found, you know, I started exp- like getting, I got a supplier, started designing everything here and then getting the designers to make it. And then they weren't selling that well. So then I was like, okay, I'm on the hunt for something that's going to do really good. So then you find mm-hmm. one thing that sells like crazy. So I found one design that sold like crazy. Like I'm talking like, you know, not just like, like one a day, like, you know, like five, 10 a day kind of, it was like crazy. Yeah, like yeah, I can yeah, barely yeah. hold on to this one design. Yeah. And, um, and that was it. And I was so excited. I really wanted someone to help me with ads. We had a friend who could do it, but then I kept getting told, oh, like, he's not going to want to take on a small Drew business. Like, you know, you're not big enough, you know, or I probably better just play with it yourself. So I found an ad that was literally 12 X. Yeah. Well, like yeah. one ad, one little homemade video that was 12X. I see it all the time. Li- yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like literally, like I only have one ad and it does so, it's about 8X now, but like it does so well. I don't need anything else, which I obviously will when I scale. But yeah. it just goes to show that you don't need anyone to yeah. help you get, I mean, obviously you need help eventually, but like you don't need anyone to do all those like itty gritty annoying things. You don't need to spend two to five grand a month on someone to run your ads. Like you just work it out yourself. Just start off with anyway. Everyone thinks you need all this like huge team to be successful. You don't. I want to see if I can get it to one meal by myself. I would love to see if I could do that. Yeah, that's the goal. It is the goal. I think that's kind of the phase I've been going through with Virtue for sure. So you mentioned earlier, you're obviously surrounded by so many males in the industry and Jai being a pretty prominent figure in your life, him kind of influencing a lot of the stuff originally. What are you leaning towards now? Kind of being an inspiration for others and showing that women are able to to do this successfully in entrepreneurship and business. That was really well articulated. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. That was good. Um, I think like, I think a huge driving factor for me, like growing up with, you know, mum being like an entrepreneur and being quite successful as well in what she could do, but, you know, obviously not quite letting it stick towards the end. Mm. I think I just, I've been really inspired as a woman to be able to do everything that a man can do. And like, that's not saying that like, you know, men are like horrible people and like there's a huge glass ceiling, but there's definitely a glass ceiling in in the world still when it comes to women trying to make a name for themselves in the world. I think for me with virtue, with social media, with photography, with everything that I do, like I just want to be able to prove to other women that you don't need anyone to be just as good as everyone else Mm. and I think like I just wish it was kind of more recognized like every time I talk about like when I became started to become successful people would literally amount it to my partner you know helping me Mm. and he's been a huge inspiration for sure but he has never once sat me down and written out a list of what to do to be successful he's been an inspiration in terms of we're like best friends and he's my partner in life but I have done the crux of it by myself as a woman without really asking anyone for help. And that's huge. Mm. And it, it gets lonely for sure. It gets lonely being a woman in this industry. Um, I'm lucky to have the friends in the circle that I have. <laughs> yeah. guys. Um, especially Liam. He eggs me on like crazy. Oh, uh, <laughs> he hype definitely man. hypes me up. Hype man. Um, but I think, it was a huge shift as soon as I felt like people weren't, you know, coming around to speak to Jai about how to do this and just speaking to him and me just being like a bystander. Like I've been to e-commerce events and people have just gone up to Jai and completely blanked me out, not knowing who I was. 
And then I've, and they've been like, oh, what do you do? What do you do for, like, you know, you're here to support him. And I'd be like, oh, no, I'm, I'm an e-commerce, like, you know, owner. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, cool. What do you do? And then, and then they'd be completely shocked when yeah. they found out who yeah. I was and what I do. And how much you've grown. And, and yeah, and it's, it's really sad that usually that's just because I'm, you know, a blonde, blue-eyed, doe-eyed girl, you know, hanging off his shoulder. People just assume that you can't be a power couple because, you know, if one guy's that successful, how can he have a partner that, that, that's that successful as well? Because it's not normalized for two really successful, busy people to have a functioning relationship. Yep. It's just not normalized. Usually there's one that's way outweighing the other mm-hmm. in some sense. Yeah. And I think like, especially in e-commerce, like it's really difficult to, like without Jai, I'd be kind of screwed because I would never have anyone who completely understands what kind of struggle I go through and can sit down and be like, yeah, I fully get that. This is what we could do. Like, do you have this? And we can give each other advice. Not many people have that in an e-commerce world, which I actually have experienced talking to women who like are dating an e-commerce man because you know they often have to work from like 7 until 9 p.m like you know Mm. do 12 14 hour days not many people can understand that perspective whereas jay and i can go as a date and go work together and we actually enjoy that yeah yeah what's what's next for you then oh well i'd really love to i have a heap of things i want to do like i'd really love because i love editing to help people with the editing process like you know presets and stuff like that i'd love to write a book i'd love to be on more, more podcasts mm-hmm. um but i think i really do want to scale the business to hugely in the next year i'm just trying to formulate what that looks like for me because i think when it comes to business you've got to be able to balance like your lifestyle because for me i want to be able to travel i want to be able to do whatever i want in my life and still have a successful business. And quite often you can't have one with the other. And so I really want to evolutionize what having, you know, a six, seven figure business looks like for a person. So it's about discovering what that actually feels and looks like and how possible that is. And then I'd love to one day, you know, be able to help out. Have you heard of Davy Fogarty? Yeah, yeah. Obsessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, for example, like he's so successful but he gives all of this like guidance for free. Yeah. Like mm. he doesn't he doesn't need more money. No. But so many people who are successful in the e-commerce space, they get hungry for money. Yeah. For me it has nothing to do with money. Mm-hmm. I don't need money. Yeah. Like I'm very comfortable with what I have. But a lot of people in e-commerce, if money's your driving factor, you've already failed. Like it's not what it's about. You need to be able to be competitive in so many other ways and be happy with the work and feel like it's developing you as a person. And I think for me, like the next big thing is to be able to balance my lifestyle with, you know, earning a big sum of money. So obviously you got all these huge current projects and future dreams and ambitions. And what are three tips to wrap it up that you would give younger women? I think probably the number one important thing is, you know, mental health and environment is like the most important. Like I always used to think about it as like, you know, going back to the shoe analogy, if you can't, if it's too small for you, you can't grow. Like, you know, a plant pot, like if you put a really big plant, a small pot, it's not going to grow. So I think making sure in an expansive environment, one that you feel really comfortable, safe and happy in, but also one that, you know, you are capable of being challenged and challenging yourself and feeling safe in that environment is huge. So like if you're a woman and like you feel maybe you're not 100% safe or not 100%, you know, safe to be who you are and grow as a person emotionally look at that look at that and really be honest with yourself about what you need 
to be able to be an expansive space. Um, number two, I would probably say start yeah. and don't overthink it. So many people think about the amount of inventions, the amount of businesses that haven't been started because someone doesn't think that they're capable or good enough. Don't let yourself get to a point where you overthink it so much that you can't even get started kind mm. of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely 110% just, just do it. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Even if it feels dumb, it'll, it, I can guarantee it's going to push you into something that will work. Yeah. And now number three. Oh, I actually do have a good one because I think this is something that's helped me personally. It's probably not going to speak to everyone, but some people it will. If someone doesn't recognize your potential or someone isn't like patting you on the back directly, don't take it personally, especially when it comes to being in a group of, you know, maybe a male orientated, like, you know, engineering, for example, there's yeah. not many women in that space. Mm. But like, I usually find that if it's, if it's making you feel lesser than, use it to push you to be better than. And um, if you ever feel like you're not good enough in an environment, just I always found it was so good because then I could quietly become the best version of myself yeah. and prove to myself that, you know, that I, I'm good enough. So just don't let that pull you down, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. Well, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, that was unreal. Uh, your whole story from your Cocos, the mainland, to, to business adventures, to, to hitting rock bottom and how you grew uh, from that position has been so inspiring for us boys. Uh, and I know some of you guys who are listening can really relate to a story like this uh, from Amy. Um, and where can we find you on social media, Amy? Um, I have lots of different places. Um, most prominently, probably Amy Rose Alexandra. Um, if you want my photography, it's Amy Rose Media. And if you want my business, it's Virtue of the Sea. Awesome. Well, Perfect. thanks You're a legend. for coming on, Amy. We appreciate we, uh, you so thanks, much. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, guys. Love ya. Let's go. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs>